off Keystone across from Sarah Chank. Or, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's good. We're trying to uh, put together in the next year a learning center for the moms and dads as well, which is much harder to do than the kids. So, anyway, so we're trying to build a model and then replicate it around the country. That's it. No big deal. Hopefully we'll be able to do it. So somebody asked and, and uh, about Stephen, and I think I need to just kind of close this gap up because it's raw. It is raw for me even today talking about it, and it's raw to listen to, I understand. Um, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I will. Uh, so Stephen is gone. Um, my parents gone, and uh, I could not get it out of my head, obviously, and had to move beyond. And so I had my husband take me to the cemetery, and I called my older brother. I said, where is Stephen buried? He said, I don't know. We weren't allowed to go. Well, this is not good. Was it off West Maine? This is in Kalamazoo. I think it was. Is it hilly in there? Oh, Lord, yes. I set out. I said, do you have any idea where it might be? I think maybe on the southwest area, because I was only there once. I began looking for Stephen. I couldn't find him. I was looking at tombstones now. And one tombstone said, I have a picture of it, because you're probably not going to believe me. It says, I told you I was sick. Anyway, it's true. <laughs> so true. Okay. Oh, boy. All right. So this is why I should stick to notes, but why? Um, so I'm looking for Stephen, and I'm not finding him, and now I'm frustrated. And I say to God, out of frustration, I'm always looking for Stephen, and I can't find him. Can you just help me? And I'm not kidding you. Find, it, it was findatombstone.com or, or something like that. I just typed it in, boom. I knew exactly where. It is. You can try that. I wouldn't try it, but, I mean, it was just like a miracle. And Ed, I had called him out of frustration. I said, you have to come out. I, I, I'm only a, like a tenth way through here. I can't find him. He said he's in section 37. So we both went running down to there, and I saw my grandparents and their babies that died, their their gravestones, and I could not find Stephen. And it was awful. And I went, well, they pretended he wasn't born. I guess they're going to pretend he didn't die. And I couldn't be mad at anybody, of course, but frustrated with God saying, just show me where he is. And there was a little divot in the grass. My husband was with me, and he said, Nancy, you're not going to like this, but I think it's right there. And it was the corner of his stone. And he said, I'll go get a shovel. I said, I've got my hands for this one. And I just dug down, and I began to see Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N. And I went, oh, my God. I'm so mad at my mother right now. This is how he was treated in life, in death. This is so wrong. So I said, okay, and I'm just begging you to stay with me here. I said, let's, let's go to the monument company. So we went over, had a big family stone made, cleaned up this stone, 
and had one made for my mom and dad. They were cremated and they were in a church downtown Kalamazoo. I said, it's time those rebels get it right and I don't care. They're all dead. I don't care. So I talked to the head of the cemetery and she was a Christian. I said, this is so wrong and I have to make it right in my own mind in the minds of my brothers and sister. And she said, I completely get it. It's bottom line, and nobody's a believer, by the way, had this tombstone. Uh, my dad always wanted to be married, uh, uh, buried with Stephen, so he moved residency over here. I went to the church, got my parents' ashes, and Rose, who knew my mother, I said, where are the rebels? She said, they're right here. <laughs> so I said, you carry dad. I will carry mother. I have got an issue to talk with her before I bury her. And <laughs> so I got my mom, and Rose stopped me leaving the church. And they were hysterical over it. I didn't think it was so funny. I was just like, we've got to make this. <laughs> it was funny. But... And so she said, Nancy, your mom was devastated. She came in this church unendingly uh, weeping over her son and the guilt that she felt. And she had no words to speak to you. And so just know, if she were here, she would laugh herself to death again and be so proud of you for making it right. And I said, thank you, Rose. So in the end, we have a shepherd tombstone. We've got Stephen now moved next to my dad and my mom, their new tombstone. And, yeah, we got it right. And then I invited my brothers and sister to come for a celebration of Stephen's life. And they came with their spouses and I said, I just want to read some scripture here and talked about heaven. That there's no more suffering. There's no more death. And that's where Stephen is. But we've never had a chance to celebrate that two and a half years we had with him. He's born in the image of God, loved by God. Let's talk about it. No believers. And they all wept and began to share what they were feeling. And they learned about Christ and the hope that day. And it was the most beautiful day, one of them in my life. And then we went out, and I bought lunch, of course, so that made them all happy. <laughs> and ordered champagne. And we had lunch, and then we toasted to Stephen Earl Shepherd. May you long live. And that was the day. It changed their lives. It changed their lives. Because they realized beyond their guilt and their feelings there was hope. And they learned about hope that day. And they learned about the patience and the kindness and the gentleness of God. Who would use a two and a half year old. His life and death to bring the rest of the family where they needed to go. Because God uses evil and he uses pain and suffering to bring people to their knees and bring people to him. And that's exactly what happened. And now my sister who was there, she died. And my brother died five weeks later, and he wanted to be buried next to Stephen also. So he's got brothers and sisters and a whole family there with him now. And it looks good, and it gives me peace and hope, because that's the way it should be. And we should be able to celebrate life, my friends. Life that we had with these people, we're the ones that suffer, not them. But boy, I'm just telling you, 
if your faith is in going to church and think that counts. I'm telling you, it doesn't. It's okay to be angry with God as long as you seek him out. Is there truth? Is there hope? You know, suffering comes through Adam and Eve. It's very interesting in the, the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, loved by God, but God wasn't enough for them. God gave them a choice, and it opened up a conundrum for all mankind. He gave us choice. And they chose to eat from a tree of good and evil. God determines what is good and evil. But they ate from that tree so that they could, as promised by Satan who lied to them, hey, if you come with me, you can be as God, knowing good and evil. You set your own parameters. And now today, good has become evil, and evil has been become good in this culture. And God helped people, you know, who claimed that this is evil, and now we're, we're you know, brought down by the world. Who's, when we say that is evil, it is just sin, honestly. And they'll say, you're so old-fashioned. Why are you so judgmental? What would that come from? Because we've lost our minds here. And Christians, we've got to start using our voices and listening to people. The reason why people do not believe generally is because of bad-acting Christians who have not set a good example. I'm just saying. I'm just being honest with you. And the other one is through suffering. Because somebody died or somebody is suffering or they're suffering. And how could a good God allow suffering? How many of you have even thought about that? Yeah, me too. So that's what we're going to jump into today. I'm going to just share a few things with you. And then... We'll close this up to questions, or I'll meet with anybody afterward. And by the way, I'll donate um, our last book, Unanswered Smoke, Mirrors, and God. I'll just, I'll bring those to you, Therese, and you can uh, have one of those. It's my testimony in there to share with people that don't know Christ and a little bit about my journey and what I learned that makes a difference. Uh, so Johnny Erickson Tata, she was a teen. She dove off into the water and snapped her spine. Um, and she says this. By the way, she just got breast cancer. And I read her post, and she said, I'm thanking God for the gift of breast cancer. Because I know God, and I know it had to happen for a reason. For his glory. So I'm good with it. Just pray for me. That I don't miss an opportunity to enjoy his peace and joy through this. Okay. She says this. I remember like it was yesterday. I was fresh out of the hospital. Barely out of my teens. And sitting at our family table. With my friend Steve Estes. And with Bibles and sodas. We had become acquainted when I heard that I had tough, when he heard I had tough questions about God, my broken back. He also knew I wasn't asking with a clenched fist, but a searching heart. By the way, people with clenched fists, they're just telling you their heart's broken. That's all I'm just saying. I know because that was me. That night, Steve leaned across the family table and said, God put you in that chair, Johnny. Now, I don't know why, but if you will trust him instead of fighting him, you'll find out why. If not in this life, then the next. He lets you break your neck, and perhaps I'm here to help you discover at least a few reasons why. Steve paused and then summed it up with ten words that would change my life. God permits what he hates 
to accomplish what he loves. God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Oof. And then she goes on to say, Joseph flat out said to them in Genesis 50, 20, If you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Yes, God permitted my hateful paralysis, but his love goes far beyond Christ in me. He wants others to experience Christ in him, their hope of glory. Hampton uh, Keeley from Dallas Theological Seminary writes, writes this. Suffering is a tool God uses to get our attention and accomplish his purposes in our lives. It is designed to build our trust in the Almighty, but suffering requires the right response if it is to be successful in accomplishing God's purposes. Suffering forces us to turn from trust in our own resources to living in faith by Christ, through Christ, in God's resources. Suffering is not in itself virtuous, nor is it a sign of holiness. It's also not a means of gaining points with God, he writes, or subduing the flesh. When it is possible, suffering is to be avoided. Christ avoided suffering unless it meant acting in obedience to the Father's will. Remember when he was praying the night before? And what did he say? If it is possible, take this from me. And God said, no. No. But to save the world. To save you. Mm. What these bends in the road that God puts in our path of life are to be carefully considered, simply stated, suffering is anything which hurts or irritates. It's the design of God. It's also something to make us think. It's a tool God uses to get our attention and to accomplish his purposes in our life in a way that we never occurred to us without trial or irritation. And I can promise you one thing. I would not be here today if it weren't for Stephen. God took what was evil and turned to good. And he has a habit of doing that. I think too many of us think we're being punished. We weren't good enough. Um, by the way, on this note, I'm just kind of coming in because I'm ADD, so this fits. This idea of uh, suffering moms, if you just listen to me for a moment, I think the greatest suffering is when our kids go sideways, right? It's hard. And um, what I've learned through this study, and I've done a lot of reading on suffering, God created us moms and grandmoms and grandfathers to be godly influences for our kids, to love them, to teach them along the way, to fix a bloody knee, all these things. You will never be held responsible for them becoming Christians. I'm going to say that again. It's not up to you. You are an example to them. God will never say, why aren't your kids Christians? That You are such a failure. Nope. Lord, actually your own kids were a mess. That's not scripture. That's just... And we have to understand that each and every one of our children and grandchildren have choices to make. 
If they've heard the gospel from us, they've seen it lived out, you're honest with them, that's on them. Not on you. I just repeat that. It's not on you. But once again, Satan just whispering in her ear, let me guess what he's saying to you. You're such a failure. You're such a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. If you were really a Christian and living that out, your kids would be Christians. How many of you have heard that? Like Satan, stop it. Because he speaks in our own voice and we kind of get used to that. Failure is not in God's vocabulary. It's adjusting to who we are under the circumstances. If we're crawling on our hands and knees, we're doing it for God's glory. I was sitting in, um, I was on my way to get a mammogram. And back in 15, and... I said, I have a strange relationship with God, I'm just telling you. He doesn't trust me with anything until I have to give it. Like with this talk, I don't know. But, you know, because he doesn't trust me, because I'll screw it up some way. But at any rate, and I'm driving, and I'm saying, Lord, you know, no big deal here. We don't have any cancer in our family. I'm really good with this. And so I get to the waiting room and on on the intercom is I'll take you out upon the waters where your feet can't touch. Are you familiar with that? And I'm listening to it and I'm like, wow, that is really interesting. It was when it was just tank came out and I watched everybody else in there and they were all on their iPhones. And I said, God, no wait, seriously? Is this for me? Is this what you want me to go through? Kind of busy. And I felt like a, just a... This is for me. Okay. And then those words, choose this day whom you're going to serve, Nancy. So it's like, okay. Um, all right. I see this as a gift. And I'm going to receive it as that. And I also am going to ask you to bless it. But you've got to keep me from getting into myself on this one. Because, you know, Lord, I be growing up fearing cancer because my mom feared it. And so I ask you to take away the fear. And looking forward to the journey. And so then I went in, and sure enough, my doctor called me, and she said, Nancy, you've got to come in. And I said, Donna, I know I have breast cancer. It's okay. I'm good with it. She said, what? I said, I'm good with it, Donna. And um, she, by the way, became a Christian in the process. But at any rate, um, it made all the difference in the world to me. And I encourage you, I tell you this story because it's the attitude that we go into it with. If I can take this and say, God, to your glory, you know why that's easy to do, my friends? Because we know the end result. I'm heaven-bound or earth-bound, and this is God's choice, and I'm good with it. My kids were not good with it, though I would say that. It was tough on them. Um, But it is... Whatever, And then we look at the book of Job, and it was the same thing. He was, God allowed Satan to have his way with him. And then God had his words with Job too. Why? Because Job came against God saying, in a sense, how could you do this to me? I've been so faithful to you. How many of you have uttered those words? I've tried my hardest. Why am I suffering? Um, I want to kind of close here with something that I think is so insanely profound. And I just, I just think it's important to go here and just let you rest in what you're about to hear.
Jonathan, Jonathan's mom, Lois, died. And he was supposed to speak at, his, at her funeral, Jonathan Edwards. And when she died, and here he is, part of a huge church, his dad's a pastor, I mean, all of this stuff, he was overwhelmed, and he was absolutely livid with God. And essentially what he said, I believe there's victory in your name, he said. Did you not hear the, the prayers of thousands of people praying for my mom, Lois? Can prayers not knock out cancer? Where are you, God? Why did you not answer our prayers? This is a perfect opportunity for you, Lord, to show your glory. And now she's gone. And then, Jonathan writes... He finally was exhausted, wrestling with God, and God answered. And God said this, John, you do not understand the nature of my victory. Just because I did not answer your prayer your way does not mean I did not answer your prayer anyway. Victory was already given to your mother. Therefore, there are only two answers to your prayer, Jonathan. Either she was going to be healed or she was going to be healed. Either she was going to live or she was going to or she was going to live. Either she was going to be with family or she was going to be with family. Either she was going to be well taken care of or well taken care of. Jonathan, my victory belongs to me. And you need to understand that I am God, I am sovereign, and my game plan is bigger, much bigger than you can ever understand, sir. Therefore, you must trust me with all your heart And lean on me and not on yourself. I am the one true God. We don't think the same. And P.S., Jonathan, don't tell me how to give my glory. Don't come to me with a sense of entitlement. Because I owe you nothing, Jonathan. I know how hard it was for you to watch her die. Get that. But you have no idea how hard it was for me to watch my son die so that your mom could live. Oh, Lord, you've taught us uh, so much. You've brought up so much in our hearts at this moment of how do we deal with death, how do we deal with sickness, Lord. To realize all along, Father, you've known about it from before the beginning of time. Your power and your glory overshadow our fears and anxiety, Lord. You're with us. And when we believe, when we truly believe and make a a, a serious admission that you are... Jesus, you are my Savior. You saved me from sin so I could go to heaven and celebrate with you. And in the meantime, you will give me through the Holy Spirit that will live in me the joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, and faithfulness, and all those things that are the fruit of, of you living in us, Lord. We're asking for that today. And I pray, Father, that Satan would be bound from from each person in here. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you cleanse us from believing those lies about ourselves. Because in you we have nothing to fear. 
Thank you for teaching us that we have a choices to make that don't involve feelings. Thank you, Father, that your love goes beyond our weakest points. Thank you, Father, that you so loved us that you gave your son. And whosoever believes in him will not perish. But will have eternal life, Lord, with family, with you, Lord, Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. With joy, with eternal life forever, with hope. And Father, I'm just saying, if there's anybody in there, in here, who has any question whatsoever whether or not they are Christian, meaning followers of Christ, those that trust Christ, those that have been born again, born again meaning, Lord, that you have given us your spirit when we choose to believe, that we might navigate in this crazy world Lord God, we deserve nothing, but yet you give us your all, including your son. So, Father, I pray now that we would be forever changed. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to just double down on us and to root out the lies that we've ingested because we are loved. God is present, he is near, and he will walk with us whatever journey we're on. Keep our heads held high, Father. Keep us enjoying the sunrises and sunsets. A smile. And let us be somebody, Lord, that's a voice of encouragement, even through our suffering, that we would encourage others with the hope that we have. That someday, someday, we'll be in a place where there's no more sickness or illness, death, no bad memories, no guilt, no shame. We look forward to that time, but in the meantime, Father, we ask that we would be a light for you. All the places that we go, and Father, we would reach out to the least of these and give them hope. And the least of these, Lord, might be family members. So, Father, I praise you and thank you for this time. In Christ's name, amen. We could, if anybody had any questions. We have time for a quick Q&A. If anybody has any questions they'd like to ask Nancy, if you'll raise your hand, I'll run out with a mic so we can hear. Good, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here's one. Oh, boy. It just takes one brave person to start. You addressed, for those wayward children, grandchildren, of course, the examples we should be. Any, again, little nutshells besides prayer, just being that example of how we can encourage them to come to the Lord or come back to the Lord? I can't hear her with the echo in here. What'd she say? She said, if you have kids, wayward kids, Mm -hmm. can you give, like, some examples other than prayer and living examples, what what we might do to bring them back, help bring them back. Yeah, for sure. I, um, right now, with our own kids, we've had we had our our one of our kids um, struggle with his identity and get into stuff that was going to hurt him, and uh, we walked with him through that. And sometimes you just have. To have to, have to love them where they are, like, just like Christ loved us. And for me, that's very difficult. I'm very black and white. And so it's, it's hard. But to just keep saying, I just called you to tell you I love you. I just called you to tell you I love you. You matter to me and you matter to God. No preaching. I love you. Um, I think... In this culture, it is just almost impossible. Let me give, let me tell you what's going on, and I'm not ignoring your question. Um, we are losing up to 90-some percent of Christian, self-identified Christian 
young men and women who go to college, including Christian colleges, so I have a word about that too, but they're losing their faith in God when they're there. And the battle that these kids are under is horrific, coming from liberal professors right on down to, you know, whatever they're getting there. It is a conundrum, and that is why we need to, as parents, start talking about the whys of Jesus. Who is he? Why does God matter? Why does Jesus matter in your life? And begin to talk about that in a very positive way, just to tell you that you are loved. Just to tell you, even though you don't know God, he knows you. Just saying. And I'm just telling you, and I used to tell my kids this all the time, whether you know it or not, you're not going anywhere without him going with you, so it's just not going to work. And my son ended up getting married, and when we had the mother-daughter dance, he said one thing to me, and he was a handful. He was grounded until he was 67 years old. He said, Mom, thanks for not giving up on me. I don't think we need deep words of wisdom. I love you. I'm, I'm with you on your journey. They know they're lost. And also offering the open door. I'm, I'm with you night or day. Please talk to me. Sometimes less is better. Preaching doesn't work to these kids so well. They're very emotional, so get emotional with them. I love you. I love you. And you don't have to remind them that you hate what they're doing because they already know that, but I love you. It's hard. It's hard. Would they come back? I sure hope so. But let me remind you, Who's really responsible for that? God is pulling them to him, pulling him through through all kinds of people. They have to make that choice. We all have strong wills. They have to make choose this day, but God will never give up on them. God will never give up on them. Even though we want to, God won't. And I would lean on that. But they need to be told that you love them and you're here for them. Because in the darkest hour, those words will change a life or save a life. Suicides are up 300%. So we need to tell them they matter. Your life matters. And a time will come when. Does that help? Anybody else? Anybody else have a question? Hi, Jeanette. Don't make it too hard. <laughs> you mentioned you had about the whys of Jesus. What are the other whys of Jesus? What she mentioned the other whys of Jesus. She had a list of whys of Jesus. She said you started to talk about the whys of Jesus. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, let me ask you. I asked this to my eight-year-old the other day, Victoria. Victoria was whistling when she was six months old. I'm just telling you about Victoria. Um, he's a character. Um, so I was having lunch with her. I said, so Victoria... What's the big thing about Jesus? You know, it was right before Christmas. I'm just more interested in the gifts. How about you? She said, well, Nana, um, it's not about you. It's about Jesus, I think. Yeah, it is. Why Jesus? Why do you think God sent Jesus here? And she said, I think it has something to do with him dying for our sins. 
And to know Victoria, this is most unusual response. And I said, well, do you believe that he died for your sin? Well, duh, yeah. <laughs> so some are a little easier to get it than others. But the whys of Jesus, I think the whys of Jesus counter every fear that we have. Every lie we've ingested, why Jesus? Because he comes back. You know, you're a mistake. I created you before the beginning of time. That's a lie. You don't matter. Go into all the world and disciple. You see? God hates you because you sinned. God forgives. Not only does he forgive, he forgets. You see? So we count, can counter this with, with the scriptures. But Jesus came so that we could see God. Because the same attributes of Jesus are the attributes of God himself, the Father. So that they can see that, that Jesus is like us. He lived. He wept. He talked. He taught us how to forgive. He taught us the basics of life. He taught us what it means to be truthful and faithful. That was the most incredible collection of human beings that he had as disciples. They wouldn't get a job in any corporation I know. Seriously. And if they did fact checks, it would be horrible. See what I mean? He didn't care because he looks on the heart. And we need to start looking into people's souls instead of what they're driving or not driving. See what I mean? He's there to set an example. And then he said, I have to go, but I'm going to give you a comforter. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, God himself, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Triune God, I'm going to send my Spirit to dwell in you. And the Holy Spirit prays for you. What? He teaches you. He goes, oops, to you. He guides us. He gives us encouragement. And he reminds us continually that we do matter. Get our rear end going. Some of us, he says, slow down a little. See what I mean? He is everything to us, Jesus. And because of his obedience to God, we are who we are. Somebody asked the other day, why is it so difficult why don't we want to forgive? I just don't want to forgive. So I really don't. I hold grudges. Anybody ever hold any grudges? Yes. Oops. But this is an amazing thing. If God forgave us, if God forgave us, and what did he say on the cross? It's finished. It's finished. Can we not do the same? And what keeps us continually replaying the bad events, over and over in our mind, and I know you know what I'm talking about, over and over, fueling us. That's same. Because God said, I don't have any grudge against you, and I should. But I don't. Because when you confess, it's over. Psalm 105, I choose to forget your sins as far as the east is from the west are gone. But that's one of the, the hard things that we have. On the cross, forgive them, Father, for they knew, know not what they do. And we need to be those people because unforgiveness keeps us from doing what God's called us to do. And sadly, for a lot of it, our comfort zone is to hate and to be vengeful. And if God were here, he said, so tell me, seriously, I'm not being facetious here. How does that work for you? Are you experiencing my joy and love? And the answer is no. Life is quite mundane and frustrating. Saying, well, why don't you make a list and rip it up of those people that you feel owe you something and then go to God who owes you nothing, but he always gives you forgiveness and guidance. And I'm just saying, ladies, we are emotional beings. We have steel trap memories. 
right. And that's what makes it so hard for us to forgive. I'm not saying forget. I'm really not. I don't see it in Scripture. I see forgive. God can forget. But we are humans, and I don't think the, the focus is on forgetting, but appreciating what God did for us so that we can forgive them and live with the scars and be okay with it. Because we've got work to do. The greatest way, I think, to share the gospel, one of the greatest tools that we have is through suffering. Because when people know your circumstance and they see you the way you are, that you are kind and content in the midst of it because you know you're not alone. You know there's purpose to that. And you're not about ready to get vengeful or smart with God because he will use that to his glory and make you stronger. It's just the way we look at it. And I am not perfect, but trust me, I have spent my life searching the scriptures, teach, trying to teach people, and I know this, after all of that, everybody has their own story to tell. And Christians, if you know somebody that doesn't know Jesus, I would suggest you start there. Because one thing I learned, the Christians are so quick to speak and so slow to listen. Oops. You're so quick to tell your own story and not stop and say, tell me your story. Tell me about you. Do you believe in Jesus? No, I'm sure there's a reason why. And there always is. There's always a reason why. I'm telling you, I fly a lot in airplanes, and I like it because God puts all kinds of people on those planes, you know. And just they ask you what you do, and I say, well, I'm a follower of Christ, and I'm just loving people and trying to teach them who Christ is. How about you? Are you a Christian? And they'll say, no. And I say, okay, so who messed with you? And they all have a story. It's amazing. Suffering or misbehaving parents or whatever. But that is so easy this way. Start asking your kids their story. Tell me about what you're thinking. Tell me about Let's just talk about this. Because so often it's tell me about your grades, how you're doing, blah, 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 instead of what's your heart doing right now. Talk to me about this. And you know what? Once they start, you're not going to be able to stop them because you probably never asked your kid or anybody else that you're friends with, and, oh, I wish they'd come to Christ. Well, yeah, ask them why. I'm just saying. In all my years of, of hating God and this and that and the other, and I shared my story today with you. In all those years, not a single person asked me, why don't you believe? What happened in your life that kept you from believing? Not one. And that Christians have said, you're just going to hell. With your behavior, you're gone. Well, thank you for the encouragement. <laughs> you see what I mean now? Being real? And if you can keep the eye out of it and just let them talk. No judgment. Ooh, that's so bad. Just don't react. Teach yourself, I'm not reacting. And be a great listener and a great lover. And I guarantee you it will change lives. It will change lives. Okay. I think we can all thank Nancy. Thank you for coming. And I just want to let you guys know, you visitors, you're welcome back any week. We'd love to have you. But I just want to leave us with one little benediction as we get sent off. I love what she said at the last. Be good listeners and good lovers. I think that encapsulated everything. But listen to this from Hebrews 13.5. 
If you don't have this marked in your Bible, I hope you'll go home and mark it down. But this is from the Amplified Amplified Version. And just listen to what Jesus is telling you. I will never, no, never, ever, under any circumstances, desert you or give you up or leave you without support. Nor will I in any degree leave you helpless. Nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Go and have a great week. And I hope you'll ask the Lord to bring to mind what you've learned today and live it out. See you next week.